Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. You're such a good father. You're such a good provider that you've given us this love letter of yours that tells us who you are and that tells us what you require from us, your children. It tells us how we're to have life and even tells us how we're to live it. And God, oftentimes we do nothing more than ignore it. Or just go to it when life gets so bad and so torn and so desperate. But God, we ask that we'd be a people of Your Word, that we would love it and, and, and long for it. It would taste as sweet as honey to our mouths and to our souls and that daily we'd learn to meditate on its truth. Father, we ask that You would send the Holy Spirit now into this room in a way that... that He illuminates Your Word, that it it makes sense to us, that it burns inside of us, that it becomes a part of who we are, that it, it does more than just light a path before our feet, but it truly becomes our way of living, our way of loving, our way of serving, our way of being. Father, we ask that the Spirit of God would come and, and through the preaching of Your Word and You take our hearts and You would melt them. And, and not just the top of the hearts, not just to make the top part of our hearts soft and, and pliable and the rest hard and crusty, but that, Father, that the Spirit of God would come with, with such power and such authority and, and such personal touch that You'd melt our hearts. That they'd be a river that flows to you and to one another, a river of love and a river of truth. Only you could do that. Come, Spirit, and shine. Shine into our hearts, open our ears and our minds, and empower our feet. May all that is said and done bring you glory. The things that are my opinion are wrong, may they fall away and be forgotten. We pray that you and you alone receive glory, and we receive challenge and joy. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'm so thankful for doctors. You lived your life long enough. I hope uh, you are as well. I'm so thankful for those that God has gifted with minds uh, that can go through all those years of school. Um, You may not know this, uh, I went through eight years of seminary. I was able to cram three years of an MDiv into eight years, so it makes me even more grateful for those that we call doctor and I'm so grateful for those in our congregation who are doctors that I know personally that love Jesus. Uh, uh, If you're one of them, uh, I'm so glad you're here. What's really blessing for us is that we could call on you, especially uh, in times of need. It's interesting. It seems like when I really need to talk to a pediatrician, we're usually out of town. Usually figures that way. And, uh, you know, something happens with one of our children and they develop a rash or something. And, you know, you, all of a sudden you're trying to call and describe this to somebody. You know how much of an idiot you feel trying to talk in their terms? And thank God for picture phones now. Okay, I'll stay right there. I'm going to take a picture of this, send it to them, uh, and then be able to hear a remedy. To have someone that God has gifted to say, you know what, I, this is what it is. Um, and this is what you knew, need to do. I'm going to give you a remedy. Here's a prescription that you need to go get filled to take care of this. 
Now, how smart would it be if we went through all that problem or all that uh, worry to say, okay, let me seek after a doctor and find out their remedy and have them give one to us or give us a prescription and then we basically ignore it. Basically say, you know, hey, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I just think I'll just go about my own business and try to cure my own self. You say you're foolish. I mean, how stupid to do something like that. And yet I think that's, how we often live our lives before God. The most universal complaint, I believe, the biggest uh, ailment of this congregation is one thing. I hear it over and over and over again. I hear it from our staff. I hear it from my own life. The biggest ailment that's plaguing us is, I believe, fatigue. We are tired. We are pooped. We are worn out. We're so tired, some of you even sleep during my sermon. (laughs) Are we not tired? Can someone give us an amen? Are we not a congregation that is very, very tired and, and consumed with life? It's amazing how busy we are. I truly believe that God has given us a remedy. I truly believe that God has given us a prescription of living. He has told us about this remedy. And interestingly, God has told us not just once, not just twice, but if you read God's Word, if you look at it closely through Genesis to Revelation, it is all there. It's from start to finish. As a matter of fact, this remedy that God has for us, He has commanded us to take. He did more than just say, hey, it might be a good idea in your life if you do this. No, this remedy for life, this prescription of life, especially when it comes to dealing with fatigue and weariness, he thinks is so amazingly important that he puts it in the top ten of commandments. It finds its way into the ten commandments. He commands us to take it. But you know the amazing thing about this remedy? You know the amazing thing about this prescription from God? And here it just blows me away. It blows me away from my own life and from yours. You ready? We don't take them seriously. And we really don't. I mean, God is going to talk about a Sabbath rest throughout Scripture. He's going to start with creation and talk about it. He's going to talk about it through the moral law. He's going to talk about it through the prophets. He's going to talk about it in the New Testament. He's going to talk about it in the new heavens and new earth. But somehow this remedy, somehow this prescription, we as God's people even, the church don't really take God too seriously when it comes to it. I hate to start here, but I think that we got to at least admit the truth. I think we got a problem. We're not taking God real seriously. We've ignored Him. You know, it's amazing. We cry out to God and we say, God, I'm so tired. God, I'm, I'm just fatigued. God, can you not see how weary I am? But we don't follow the remedy, we don't take the prescription. See, what God is calling us to, to, for our weary bodies, for our weary souls, what God wants to give to us is a Sabbath heart. A heart that rests in Him. A heart that understands His rhythm of life for us. A heart that embraces who God is, that trusts Him for life that trusts Him for the remedy of life, that takes the prescription He gives us, and He gives us a Sabbath heart. 
Today we began a seven-week journey. We call it our sacred journey together. Uh, we were going to look at each week what God prescribes to us, what God graciously gives to us, not as a burden, not because he's a taskmaster, master, not because he doesn't love us, but because we are his children and we get to call him Father We're going to journey together for seven weeks. We call it a sacred journey. We're going to look each week at a prescription. We're going to look at each week at a remedy. We're going to look at each week as what we'll call maybe a spiritual discipline that he has given to us so that we can live our lives in obedience to him. And listen, in a rhythm with him, in a way that's pleasing to him. But there's such good news, church. It's such good news. It's not just so that we can do something for him. It's so, so, he, so that he can bless us. So maybe by the end of this seven-week journey, we can say, I rest in Christ in new and profound ways. God has changed my life. Each week, we're going to look at one component, and then we're going to do something a little bit different here from Orangewood. You might even already have seen it in your bulletin. I'm going to give you some material to work through Monday through Friday. You're going to have some devotional material. Um, It's in your bulletin. We're going to talk a little bit about that at the end of the sermon. Um, That will give you some daily things to think about, some daily prescriptions. This is not just come once a week. And then the following Sunday night, starting next Sunday night, we're going to come back together as a family. We're going to ask each and every one of you and visitors to come. And let's wrestle through this. Let's have discussion groups and say, how did that prescription work for you? And how, what does this mean? And what is God teaching you? So we're going to ask you to come back on Sunday nights. Some of those Sunday nights can be more experiential. Sometimes we're going to experience together a little bit more what this, uh, this discipline looks like. But come. This is awesome, exciting time. BA was speaking the truth. Our staff is so excited. Our elders are convinced that God is calling us on this. We don't feel that this is a sermon series that just God put on, that, that I came up with. We believe that God truly, first and foremost, called me to say, Jeff, you've got to look at your life. There's some things that you're ignoring. You have to be on a sacred journey with me. And by the way, I want the whole congregation to come. So journey with me. I'll tell you, he's already taught me so much. It's amazing. My life, I could feel, is, is changing. First uh, Timothy 4, 7 uh, through 10, Paul writes the church and he says this. He says that we need to train ourselves to be godly. It's interesting. In 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10 in that passage, it says this. It says physical training is of some value. And for those of you who work out, and for those of you who take care of the temple well, and for those of you who have a routine that's consistent, you know that physical training actually does have value. Those endorphins that you get, it gives you more energy, it gives you more strength, it gives you a better handle on life, and so we really should heed that as God's people as well, that we should be involved in in physical training. But it goes on to say this, but spiritual training... Spiritual training has value for all things, both this life and the life to come. So God is calling us as his family saying, yeah, don't neglect the physical side of things, but really what's most important is the spiritual side of things. Spiritual training. It says, Paul says this, for this godliness, for this spiritual training, we should toil and strive. It's the name we get, the Greek name we get gymnasium from. That God is calling us to strive and to toil and to wrestle with godliness, to become more like Him. 
So here we are embarking on this journey saying, come and and let's join together. Let's trust God at His Word and say that spiritual uh, spiritual training has value for all things. It's amazing what we'll toil and strive for, isn't it? It's amazing what we'll toil and strive for. Is godliness one of them? It should be primary. And that's what this journey is all about. We begin with Sabbath. We begin with Sabbat, uh, the Hebrew word, which basically the basic meaning of the word Sabbath is, is cessation. It's basically stopping. It's ceasing to cease from the things of life and to give us one day of focus. One day to focus upon God in worship and rest. We're going to talk about three things today regarding Sabbath. We're going to talk about the purpose of Sabbath. And this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time and the majority of our teaching. I'm going to break that out for you and you'll be able to follow along with some bullets on the uh, screen. And then we're going to have very practical. What's the preparation of Sabbath and the practice of Sabbath? What is this all about? Okay, let's start off with this. The purpose of Sabbath. We begin with in creation. What's the purpose of Sabbath in creation? Genesis 2, for those of you who want to follow along or at least make notes. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Vicki read that for us this morning. What was that all about? What was God doing when He decided He wanted to rest? Was the work of creation for our Almighty God so stinking big and so huge that He decided, I've got to take a little nap? Was God the Almighty One coming to the end of it and said, Whoo, man, I just got to sit down and take it easy a little bit. Well, in creation, we see two purposes of Sabbath that God gives us from the beginning. The first one is this, to separate our identity from our work. God, in His marvelous wisdom, gave us this Sabbath day and He showed us that well, how a pattern to live. But more importantly, He separated for Himself and for us to separate our identity from our work. That our identity should not just be our work. That God is now calling us to worship and love Him for His creation, for what He has done, but also for who He is. Church, Orangewood, if your identity is in your work, you will never stop. If your identity of who you are and what your worth is, is in what you do, you cannot stop. Because when you do, you'll start feeling worthless. And God is showing us that no, we should not have our identity ultimately in what we do. We should have our identity ultimately in whose we are. And so God shows us a pattern, a purpose of Sabbath is to stop. So our identity would not be in our work. It was also this. It was to provide a rhythm for life. God from the beginning, from the very beginning says there is a pattern to living. I've created you in my image. I've blessed you with that. But let me show you a pattern to live. A rhythm for life. It's this. Work six days. Worship and rest on one primary day. Keep one day and seven separate One day in seven holy. That should be a day of worship and rest. It provides us a rhythm of life. Here's a prescription. Listen. There's one of two things we're breaking. If God gives us a prescription right in creation for those of us who have no rest, who look at a 
seventh day, no differently, a Sabbath day, no differently, if it's maybe a little bit of worship and that's it, really what we're doing is we're not taking God's prescription. For some, they may take an overdose. They may say, man, I'm just going to rest all the time. I mean, I want my whole life to be a Sabbath. I want to be on a whole big vacation. God has created us for work. He's created us to advance Christ's kingdom. And here's the prescription, six on, one off. We're to do those worldly things and recreations in six days. We're to set apart one day. Okay, so what's the purpose in creation? To separate our identity from our work. Also to show us the rhythm of life. It's also, it shows us in uh, the purpose of Sabbath in the law. Vicki read Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It's interesting. It says this, purpose number one from the law, to be a blessing. Do you know that God has given us his law to be a blessing to us, for us, to give us life, not to take life from us? The Sabbath day is to be a blessing for us, to us. That God is giving to us graciously. The things that God blesses or the people that God blesses in throughout Scripture, we are to befriend those. Look, think of Abraham. Abraham decides, God calls Abraham. Uh, Abraham is righteous because of his faith in God. God blesses this one man, Abraham. He says, listen, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and through you I'm going to bless the whole world. Those who, who befriend Abraham, I will befriend and I will bless. God says, I'm going to give you one day, a blessed day. Befriend it. Make it a friend. Make it a part of your rhythm of who you are because I have blessings in this day for you. So it's in the law to be a blessing. We need to befriend it. Listen to what Isaiah 56 2 says. Blessed is the man who does this. God's word said blessed. And the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing evil. God says those who keep the Sabbath are blessed. Listen to uh, Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, doing those things that you just think are right, and you're going to do them the way you want to do them, and call the Sabbath day a delight and the holy day of the Lord, make it honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God has said, I want to give you a blessing. I want your rhythm of life to have a blessing of one day of worship and rest, not to do what you want to do. But if you bless, if if you honor me with this day, I will give you blessing. So in the law, God has given it to be a blessing. Also in the law, it's a commandment to obey the commandment to rest from that which consumes us. God knows life is consuming us. He has commanded us to rest. Church, Orangewood, which one of the Ten Commandments should we follow? I mean, which ones of the moral law should we adhere to? And which one should we say, nah, it doesn't really apply anymore? It's, it's amazing. Does anybody, no one in their right mind would say, thou shalt not kill doesn't still apply. <laughs> no one in their right mind said adultery is anything that's not evil and something that we need to avoid. Can you imagine going down I-4 and getting pulled over for speeding? 
and try to negotiate with the officer, saying, you know what, but officer, listen, I, I've, I've taken serious in my life to come to a full and complete stop. I really have. And I, I'm, I'm trying to signal at every turn, and I'm obeying almost all of the laws uh, that you tell us to drive, but as far as speeding, I, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm just going to go what I want to go and do what I want to do. Listen, God has commanded us. He's commanded us that we're to take one day and make it holy. We're to take one day... And we are to worship Him one day that is separate. We blow by it so much. You know what God did with me when I studied this is say, God, i got to repent. I really do. i, I got to repent. I just haven't taken you that seriously. Uh, you've given me a rhythm for life, a prescription of life, and I've just thought, I, I know how to do it better. I mean, you've commanded it, and I've just ignored it. Listen, the hard thing is, is I, as I start to preach this, I'm thinking, you know, how, how in the world does this fly in culture today? I mean, I, I know your schedules. I know they're, they're no less busy on Sundays for the most part than the other day. I, and I know the sports world. And I know what consumes us. Listen, and I know it. And, and the truth is, is we don't want to miss out on anything, do we? The truth is, is we want our lives to look pretty much like everybody else's life. And we don't want our kids to miss out on anything, and maybe, maybe we're so weary, maybe we're so tired, maybe because we're just running the rat race, trying to be like everybody else, and God's given us a whole different prescription. Maybe we just have this commandment of worship and rest. We're saying, whatever, God, whatever. And we turn to him and say, I'm so tired, I'm so weary, I'm so worn out. I say, yeah, of course you are. The world's eating you up, and I told you to stop. I told you to rest. I've commanded you to, and you really don't take me that seriously. I think we need to repent. I really do, Orangewood. And I, and I, I think, God, this is seismic. I mean, how, how do we stop? I mean, how does one service and one sermon change? It doesn't. We'll have to develop a, a Sabbath heart. Okay, what's the purpose of it? We've seen it in creation. We've seen it in commandment. Let's see it in salvation. Interestingly, uh, Moses, who gave us, who wrote us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Exodus and the Ten Commandments, he also writes Deuteronomy. But when he writes Deuteronomy, which is the second giving of the law, in Deuteronomy 5, you're going to have the Ten Commandments again. But when he gives us the Ten Commandments the second time, there's something different. As you study that this week on your own, you're going to find out about it. And here's what's different. When he talks about keeping the Sabbath day holy, you know what he starts saying to the Israelites? He says something different than just creation. He says this, remember you used to be a slave. Remember that you were in Egypt. Remember, and this is a part of salvation, I want you to rest. Because when you were a slave, you couldn't rest. When you were a slave, what the tax masker said to do, you had to do. Remember in salvation to rest. And really, what is, what is the Sabbath? It's the celebration from being freed from slavery. Is there any Christian theme here? To being freed from slavery, the slavery of sin. We are no longer slaves. We have been set free by the blood of Christ. We have been robed in His righteousness We have been freed from the penalty and the power of sin. We have gone through the exodus of Christ's blood and righteousness into this new life. And now, Sabbath is a part of salvation. We need to rest in Christ. It's so important that this seventh day that was the end of the week is now the first day of the week. The early church 
says this is the Lord's day. This is the first day. It's true of salvation. Then we see the purpose of salvation in Christ. Mark 2, 23 through 28. Jesus talks about the Sabbath. He was getting some heat from the Pharisees, some religious people. Didn't think he knew what the Sabbath was all about. Can you imagine these Pharisees trying to tell Jesus how to live the Sabbath? And he comes back and says, listen, guys, I am the Lord over the Sabbath. If anybody is weary, guess where you find rest? You find rest in me, in me alone. Anyone who's weary, come to me and you will find rest. So in Christ Jesus, there's where we have our Sabbath. To rest in Christ. It's to rest in Christ in His finished work on our behalf. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, He wants us to mull that over, to celebrate that, and to live our lives in reality of that. Now listen, those are just words. Listen. God wants us to take one day And celebrate the reality that in Christ Jesus, we really have rest. It really is finished. That our sins really have been paid for. That we really are a new creation in Christ. And and we don't have to toil and strive that day. He wants us to, with intentionality, stop. And say, thank you, God, for the completed work of who I am in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for the continuing work of who I am in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we should have our rest. And the enemy wants to steal that day from us. Doesn't want us to focus on Jesus. Doesn't want us to focus on that completed work. Doesn't want us to hear over and over and over again, it is finished. You are free. You are saved. You are mine. As I prepared for this, I I spent a day, a couple of days, just just seeking God's face. And the two things that I wrestled with more than anything, I said this, Jesus, can the love of Christ compel me? Is it enough? Can I live my life being compelled by the love of Christ? Can I really live my life as a response to your love? Can I do it? Why do I strain and why do I struggle so much? And I thought this, can the life of Christ really validate my life? Listen, can the the life and the work of Christ really validate Jeff Jakes, really validate you? Is it enough? Is Jesus really enough? Really? And if he was really enough, we would have one day to say, it is really enough finished and I am still a mess and I'm still broken. There's things still all undone in my life, but I'm going to walk by faith here and not by sight. And I'm going to believe in God's provision in Jesus so much that today I'm going to just marinate in Jesus. Today I'm just going to just realize that God is so ridiculously excited in love with me because the work of Christ was complete. Today I'm not going to have self-loathing and today I'm not going to worry about what I'm not. Today I'm going to celebrate Jesus and I'm going to have a Sabbath in Him. You want remedy for your soul? You want rest? It's Jesus. He's Lord of the Sabbath. It's Jesus. And the world would love to take that day and say, don't, 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 don't marinate there. You're too busy. You can't stop. Man, if you stop, someone's running ahead of you. You stop, you can get way behind. And Jesus says the whole point is to stop and see Sabbath in me. 
And then this eschatological hope. I mean, the writer of Hebrews in, in Hebrews 4, 1 through 11 talks about a Sabbath to come. He says there's a Sabbath to come where we will no longer have to wrestle with the flesh. Did you hear what I just said? There's a Sabbath to come, church, that we are guaranteed to have in the finished work of Christ that one day we won't have to wrestle anymore with the, with the flesh the lust of our hearts. There's a Sabbath to come when we will see Jesus face to face and the new heavens and new earth will be here and that we will no longer have anything but peace inside and peace outside. Can't you long for that day? And here's what he's saying. There's an eschatological hope that we need to have, which means a hope in an end time, a hope of a future day, that basically is saying is God says, I want you to prepare for it now. I want you to prepare for it now. I want you to live your life with such a rhythm, such a pattern, in such a way that you are going to say to the whole world, I believe that Jesus is coming back. And I'm going to live my life in this rhythm and this pattern. I'm going to rest in Christ. I'm going to trust in Christ. But I'm also going to hope in Christ. Because one day, He is fully setting me free. One day, I'm going to have nothing but peace. One day, I'm going to have nothing but rest. And I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust that that day is coming. So much so, I'm going to take a day to day. One day out of seven. And just long for it and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Through all of this, what is the purpose? Is to develop a Sabbath heart. God wants to recalibrate your heart right now. He wants to recalibrate your heart and my heart to His values, to His pattern, to His rhythm, to His prescription. God right now wants to lovingly recalibrate your life, your heart, your agenda, your mind, your busyness, your weariness to His. God graciously wants to give us a Sabbath heart. He wants us to find again the great gift of stillness. Do you have it? Not just inactivity. Listen, the reality is this, Orangewood, and let me hold the mirror up to you, and this is not going to feel good. But if the view of you in your life is big, the view of Sabbath is going to be small. Oh yeah, if the view of you in your life is big, and how important you are, and all the things you got to do, and how busy you are, the view of God and Sabbath are going to be small. But if the view of God is big, and who He is, and what He has for us, and His prescription is big, then the view of Sabbath is going to be big. And we're going to say, yes, this is the rhythm He has for us. This is the purpose He has for us. I know the world has given this up long ago, but I'm going to have faith to believe. How is it with us? Do we have a big view of God or a big view of ourselves? You guys know Eric Little or Lytle? The Flying Scotsman? The guy they made that movie, The Chariots of Fire for? Um, amazing man of God. He said this. He said, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel His pleasure. Man, oh man, that's a way to live, isn't it? When I run, God made me fast. I am who I am by God's design. And what I do what God has designed me to do, I feel God's pleasure in doing it. He trains his whole life. Uh, he, He tells his family, although they think he's crazy wasting his time doing this, um, pursuing sport. He makes it all the way to the Olympics, the event that he had trained for his whole life, the event that he is most gifted for, it happened to fall on a Sunday. So here during the Olympics, on a Sunday, he is called to run. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to run and break the Sabbath. And i got to tell you, part of me wants to say, you're crazy. Come on, it's ten seconds. You feel his pleasure. Just go run, man. 
God's not that legalistic. If you feel bad, repent afterwards. So I studied that about Eric. You know, what, you know what's amazing to me? Listen, listen. He didn't need to win anybody's gold medal because he already had the gold medal of the pleasure from the Father. Listen, the world couldn't offer him something that compared to feeling God's pleasure. It was nothing. He was justified already in Christ. His life had already won in Jesus. It didn't matter what the world had to offer. By the way, he went on and won another event. Won the gold and something that wasn't even his, his event. He ran against a guy named Harold Abrams. And Harold Abrams ran the same event. And he said this. Here's what Harold Abrams said. He said, when the gun goes off, I have nine to ten seconds to justify my existence. When the gun goes off, I have nine to ten seconds to justify my existence. There was no resting for Harold Abrams. He couldn't rest because his identity was in his work. His identity is what he did. It wasn't in who he was. And, and, and unbelievably, Eric Little could rest while he ran. I'm feeling God's pleasure. This is great. I'm doing what God made me to do, and I, I don't care what the world says. I don't care it's the Olympics. Gold medal, schmold medal. I got Jesus. I got enough. You can keep that world stuff. I mean, what an antithesis of two. Little had a Sabbath heart. Are you living your life in the two-inch dash? Ah, it's pretty clever. I've heard it said from others, I think Pat Morley and others, that two-inch dash between the time you were born and the time you die, and you're trying to exist, justify your existence in that two-inch dash. Are you really trying to justify your existence of your life between that time you were born and the time you die? And you're running like crazy. And God's saying to us, I've given you Jesus. And really, you don't need to justify yourself. I love you in your mind. That two inches, that, that's, that's just, just live for me in my glory. Just know I love you. Feel my pleasure. Listen, if we're running for that two-inch dash, we are so stinking weary to try to justify ourselves. God is saying, I want to give you a Sabbath heart. That's the purpose of Sabbath, the preparation for Sabbath. It's interesting. To, the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments starts off with, and it's the first time we've heard them, and he starts off with, remember the Sabbath. Remember. Interesting he says remember. It certainly makes us think back that this is not just something given the law. It was given in creation um, way back when. But let me ask you a question. If your spouse says to you, remember we have a dinner party this Friday night. Remember we have people coming over. What is she asking you or he asking you to do? Prepare for it. Students, if your teacher says, remember, chapter 2 quiz tomorrow morning, don't forget, remember, what are they trying to tell you to do? Prepare. Get ready. It's coming. I believe part of this remember the Sabbath day is a call for us to prepare for the Sabbath day. And the reality is, is that we are so tired and so wearisome, we're falling over the line. We barely get to Sunday. And God tells us, remember, because we're to prepare for this. Prepare for me. 
Here, what does that mean? It means things like this. Do your laundry on Saturday or prepare. Prepare for worship. Prepare to meet with the Lord. Whatever is on your plate, clear it out. Don't be worn out by the time you get here. It's not just our day. I've heard many say, you know, this is, this is my day. It's the only day I got. This is the only day I got to really kind of recharge. And God wants to recharge you. It's the only day I got to take it easy. And I understand He wants you to find rest, but rest in Him. He wants you to prepare for it. It's the Lord's day. And He wants you to prepare. So I think that our Saturdays need to look different if our Sundays are going to look different. We need to prepare for it. I got an email this week. It said this. My question I hope you will address is for those of us who have the normal five-day work week. And I can imagine what that looks like now. It's got to be amazingly stressful, the economy the way it is, and um, just trying to keep up. And want to contribute to the church. Many times Sundays don't seem like a day of rest when you have to get up at 7 to attend a church meeting. Worship till noon. Now you're telling us to come back at 5.30 on Sunday night. Maybe I'm lazy, but rest for me means being home with my immediate family, not doing some of these meetings, set up, nursery. You are wearing me out. He didn't say that. I'm reading that. First of all, I want to apologize and say, don't ask your forgiveness if we're asking you to do so much on a Sunday that it's wearing you out. But I think a lot of that has to do with preparing. I mean, are we really preparing for the Sabbath? Are we preparing to meet with God? How exhausted were you getting out the door today? How harried were you? I mean, how rushed were you really? And let me ask you, what thought did you have to give to today, yesterday, this week? Prepare for the Sabbath. Then lastly, practice the Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath. To practice the Sabbath is to what, what God says, keep it holy. A day of worship. A day of rest. It tells us uh, um, through the confession um, that we are only to do the works of necessity and mercy. Listen to what the Westminster Confession of Faith says. How is the Sabbath to be holy or to be sanctified? The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, things you do other days, but there's one day different, and spending the whole time in public and private exercise of God's worship, except so much as it is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. Practice the Sabbath. I think we practice by repenting. I think we say, God, we haven't taken you seriously. We really haven't. We live culturally. We don't live biblically. We don't, do we? Come on, come on, we don't. We've got to stop and say, okay, God, are you serious about this? Is this really one of the ten that I'm supposed to really take seriously? Is this really something from Genesis to Revelation? It is. God has given us a prescription to live, a, a way to live, and we've ignored it. And we need to repent. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do for Sunday. I'm going to ask you and really challenge you for next Sunday, we're going to try to practice Sabbath together. For those of you who love Jesus, I'm asking for one. We're actually going to ask for a Sabbath heart. And here are some things. You ready for this? These are scary things. Very, very scary things. First of all, turn off work. Cell phones. Emails. Turn your phone off. You're not that important. Don't even open up your computer for emails. And once you start, it'll suck you in and you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll lose your Sabbath heart. Don't go into the office on Sunday. I don't care what your Monday looks like. Prepare for it. Turn off the world. 
Don't turn on the TV. Jake's football season, man. What are you thinking? Okay, maybe one game. <laughs> they have it on Sunday night now. They have it on Monday night. They have it on Thursday nights. It's pretty available on Saturdays. They have high school games on Fridays. Pop Warner games on Saturday, Sunday mornings. I mean, I'm sure we can get our fix of football. But can we take next Sunday and say, we want to turn off the work? Can we as a congregation say, God, we're going to try to Sabbath together next week. We want to turn off the world. I'm going to ask you not to do any work around the house next Sunday. Prepare for it. I'm going to ask you to pray with your family next Sunday. Have a meal after church. Doesn't have to be big. We have soup and sandwiches typically on Sunday. But I'm going to ask you, each, each one of you, to ask your children to pray. We're going to talk about prayer next week. Take a walk. Look at God's creation. Take a nap. If you know of a single person in our church, invite them to come take a meal with you. Singles, if you don't know anybody, come chat with me or get together. Let's, let's Sabbath together. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see some weekly devotions. If you look at this, as I'm asking you to do this week, you'll see, if you look at it, there's a Monday. You read on Monday. You read uh, one day, two day, three day. By the way, it'll sound very similar to some of the things you heard today. Uh, this is there for every day, Monday through Friday this week. Listen, this will take you five minutes. This will take you five minutes, maybe, maybe ten. I'm going to ask you to this week wrestle on this. I'm going to ask you to spend a little bit of time with Jesus every day this week, okay? And prepare. Uh, do this. Then next week we're going to come back here Sunday evening. Uh, we're going to have table discussions to discuss what it was like, uh, what, it, what God is teaching us. We're going to ask you to come back. We're going to ask for one day of worship and rest next week. We're going to ask you to take one day of Sabbath next week. We're going to ask you to please make this a priority. Some of you are going to have to change your schedules. Some of you are going to have to do some different things. But here it is, Orangewood. God has called us to this. We're going to take Him serious. I know you're tired. I am too. I know you're weary. I know you have full plates. I know there's a ton of demands that are nipping at your heels. But let's take what God has prescribed. Let's trust that our Father who created us and created this world knows best. And let's have Sabbath hearts and say, God created me a clean heart, a new heart, a Sabbath heart that rest in you and you alone. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I, I can't pray without repenting that most of my Christian life, I really haven't taken this too seriously. Most of my Christian life, I've said, hey, it's all covered in the blood of the Lamb and it's all about grace. And, you know, my life's a little different. But do I really take one day and try to keep it holy? Father, I pray for Orangewood because we are a very busy church. And Orangewood is in the heart of this community. And Father, there are, there are, there are schedules that are so intersecting our Sundays that are just unbelievable. God, this is so hard for us. This is so hard. Would you give us the faith to believe? We're a weary congregation and we look to you when we say, what's up? And you're looking back at us saying, hello. 
Father, we can't have Sabbath hearts until we have repenting hearts. And we just got to acknowledge that we just live like the world. We really do. It's hard for me to say that because I'm guilty too. And I love these people. But God, you want something better for us, and I know it. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help each one of us this week to just wrestle through your word again and take this to heart. Put it in our Bibles now and do it. Gather back next week as we look at prayer in the morning and then celebrate Sabbath at night. God, I pray you'd help us prepare, clear our schedules. We'd have, we'd just try it. See what you have for us next Sunday. Thanks for loving us. Father, we're about to take up our tithes and offerings. Would you bless them? Would you use them to advance Christ's kingdom? God, our offerings are kind of saying that we trust you, we believe in you, that we trust in you with even our schedules, even when it comes to Sabbath. Oh, Father, and lastly, I pray, would you give us rest in Christ? For the one who doesn't know Jesus, this might sound like a lot of religious stuff, and it is. God, for the one who doesn't know Jesus, may they just know that the only way they'll find rest is in a relationship with him. And Father, for the rest of us, may may the work of Christ validate our life that frees us to truly rest. Rest in him, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.